Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Muggsy Bogues, former Toronto Raptor. As a granddad, I love a good bedtime story. I think that, you know, the little touch files, you know, um, it's just part of the game. Like, when you're playing, it's like, it's kind of like a habit, right? Like, you, you, you just, your hands are just right there. So, um, and, and they, they kind of train to, to call that, you know, as soon as you touch someone, you know. Josh, he hasn't been very smart, if you want me to be honest with you. Most of those have been fouls. And they're touch fouls that they're not calling on everybody, and they're not calling every trip up and down, but if you go back and by the weather of like, all, oh, they say, hey, he's got two hands on him. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 78. We're joined with Greg Yeroshadist, Christian Wolfgang Graffin, and friend of the podcast. Introduce yourself, young man. My name is Jordan Henry. Jordan Henry. Uh, he does the Muted Madness podcast, college basketball podcast. We thought he'd bring him, him in and talk some Toronto Raptors hoops. Boys, how you doing today? We need a professional here to make sure Greg and I aren't just spewing shit the whole time. So um, thank you for coming. No, I'm just I'm just going to get some takes off. Uh, I got some hot ones on the Miami Heat to get to. Oh, me excellent. too. Ooh, a little Tyler Hero hot takes. Uh, how's your week been, boys? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. This fucking weather is pretty brutal, huh? It's officially winter now, I think. Like, that sucks. Mother Nature, that green-eyed slut. Uh, so We've spoken get... about that language, brand. Okay, <laughs> my salty language. All right, let's start off quarter number one with the Toronto Raptors weekly roundup. We had two games, one big win, one big loss. Lost to the Pistons. Uh, sorry, win against the Pistons, loss against the Bucks. Greg, what are your impressions of those two games? Any takeaways? Yeah, the Raptors are a tier below the Bucks, even with that like run that we made. You could still see like how easily the Bucks were able to get up on us. Like, uh, it's looking. I I think the Raptors, if they're serious about making a run to get to the finals, we need to make some moves. But I don't think the club is serious about it. That being said, um, you know it's great to see Kyle Lowry playing like he is. Serge Ibaka still playing good. Marcus finally got up to ten points. But I suppose we'll talk about that later. The club showed good heart coming back, right? But to me, the Bucks looked like a clear tier above the Raptors in that game. For me, it's almost like, look, the Bucks have established themselves. They know what they are. They went, you know, all the way to us in six games last year. The team hasn't changed too much except for Brogdon, whereas the Raptors have lost Kawhi. We lost Danny Green. We're trying to f- sort of figure out our, our identity in terms of that who's next. I know Siakam obviously is that guy, but... 
I mean, Lowry's playing like he's still the franchise player right now. Oh, he so plays a so lot, good. There's a lot to sort out with the Raptors. I don't think it's necessarily, again, last week we talked about panicking early. But I don't know. When I watched that, when I watched that game with the Raptors and Bucks, obviously it was a terrible start. But to me, the Bucks haven't really evolved as a team in any way. They look like they're doing the same thing they did last year. Giannis but, is way too relied upon. But we and, couldn't stop them. Right. It's no, like they I, do that same. It's like, you know, you're good when you could do everybody knows you're going to do and you can't stop them. I, but again, I don't think that's going to work in the playoffs for them. Yeah. Like, sure, maybe game one, game two. I just there's scarier teams out there in the East right now. Um, Philly. The Heat. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I was, I guess, a little bit more. Certainly impressed with the Pistons win, obviously. Yeah. Um, than the loss, I mean, but at the same time, I still think the Raptors are going to do are going to do fine. And this whole Pascal Siakam fouling out issue, once it gets resolved, and we have him for a, a full game, actually, and we don't have to take him out in the first quarter and ruin our rotations, it's going to help us a lot. So I I'm, I wasn't too worried about that Bucks game. We stuck around somehow, and we had no business. Yeah. Being in it. Yeah. Okay. So just sorry to build on that. I don't mean to suggest. As if, you know, I don't want to overreact to one game, but the eye test of those two teams, right? To me, it looks like the Raptors are back in that spot that we were prior to getting Kawhi Leonard, right? Like, you think so? I do. I, like, like I, I see last week's game against the Pistons and I go, it's, it's a win that you don't have to think about. And everyone's trying to make it a big yeah, but we always could, beat we always beat those teams. But though. like you should like everyone's you should beat that team. Yeah, and the Raptors have been very good at beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. This ver this like rendition of our team, right? But that's new. No, even going back to like De- uh, DeRozan and Lowry and Casey, like we always beat uh, up on the Nets. We always beat up on the teams that we're supposed to beat. It, it was can they compete against the teams with monsters? It was it was five to ten years ago when it was road games in Charlotte against the Bobcats and the Raptors <laughs> could never win those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the exception of those, you'd right? always play down. To it was, it was Antoine the- Brizic just yeah. bring it to us every game. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, the Pistons are the Pistons, and you beat the Pistons. I mean, you they didn't even have Griffin. Their backcourt is what. Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson, Reggie Luke Kennard. Derrick Rose didn't even Tim start Frazier. against them. Luke Kennard's looked all right, though. Like, Kennard's fuck, like, everyone's kind of shit on him being the pick before Donovan Mitchell, but at least he's averaging, like, what, 17 points per game. We're not talking about, like, an all-star, but oh, at least a Kennard complimentary was the score. Pick before Donovan Mitchell? Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, Luke and not doing it. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of other things to unpack. Any last comments regarding uh, our week of play? I, uh, I just, forward? I think the Bucks, when you watch them play, they went up big against the Raptors early. I think people are downplaying the loss of Malcolm Brogdon on this team. He's 100%. Looked, he's looked unreal. In Ten assists per game on the Pacers he's, so he's far. Like a, just like, he's almost a triple-double guy in Indiana right mm-hmm. now. He looks awesome on that team. Yeah. And you saw a little bit in the backcourt. I don't know if that's where you're able to attack this Milwaukee team. But I think that the Raptors not being at 100% of what they are right now and the mm-hmm. fact they got back into the game yep. is less of a red flag for the Raptors for being down early and more of a red flag for the Milwaukee Bucks about letting them back into the game. It's yeah. like a, it's like a summary of the series last year. They went up big at first, and the Raptors came back. We just didn't yeah. win it. Uh, you, yeah, just, and, you just didn't have yeah. Kawhi Leonard yeah. to win the game. Exactly. Yeah, look, and I mean, that. so just you know, uh, to, to go back to what I was saying, I think that if we can beat Milwaukee in Toronto, that'll kind of restore some faith. But I'm really curious now, because we looked... As good, if not better, than Boston, right? I agree. But I, but I think that that Milwaukee and Philly are a level above Boston. I think we're we're right there in that second tier. 
But still, anything can happen. And our players are young and growing. On and a like, little side note for the Celtics, Greg, uh, Gordon Hayward's looking pretty solid at the four this season. Just kind of at the four, eh? Yeah. Siakam's going to eat his lunch. Uh, we'll see what happens. Already moving down the list, another big rumor that kind of was spiraling this week, we're kind of alluding to it last week, was the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo might be loosely connected to the six Toronto. Uh, that might be a far-fetched first. idea. Greg's like fucking back on a like alleyway fucking pape Greek town uh, like <laughs> sources sources, sources uh, we're, we're providing with that information so is there any validity to this or is this a sort of like uh, speculation Tron having a big Greek community Giannis would be a, a, you know the logical piece to I, come in look in, in the NBA where there's smoke there's fire right and I think that there are legitimate reasons why Giannis would want to come here I think the ascent of Antetokounmpo sorry the ascent of uh, Siakam uh, is something that will attract him. I think the international vibe of the city will attract him. I think all the Africans that we have here, I think Masai Ujiri's connection to him, obviously, right? Um, and look, like, in Milwaukee, right? You like order past the marinara, you get egg noodles and ketchup. You, like, I think you yeah. could say that, like, you could create this, like, weird, fictitious reasoning why any player would want exactly. to go to any city in the first place, right? I, I think that there's enough where you can pick any player in any city, exactly, and say, oh, they're connected. Yeah, JJ I mean, Reddick loves Jamba Juice. He would love to no, come to Toronto. The like, third no, I can't Kupo do that. I can't <laughs> do that with any other, and maybe another superstar, I couldn't make a case for why they would want to come here with Giannis Kevin Love he looks I he's think, white and he looks like a lumberjack yeah but that's not a legitimate case right like Giannis has obvious ties to there's Ajiri, a lot of J crews and there's in tons and we have built here right a team with a lot of strong African players right you're talking about a guy playing in, in middle America you're making a lot of assumptions here well, you're, you're saying that we're like there's there's no assumption for any I other superstar that would want to come to Toronto gonna, but now you're saying he would have to, he would love to play for Masai, just because no, of their family connection. No, I'm saying his relationship with him will give Masai a meeting, and we know that they've cleared cap space to be able to go after him. We know that they're going to try to go after him. But the report but all, that is in that itself, the Raptors that in itself will make Giannis think about it. Yeah, right? but the report is the Raptors are interested. What yeah, team, no, what no. team isn't? No, no, no but, like we're but, hedging our bets is that we have hey, we're the epicenter the, of like Greek culture beyond Greece, hey, hey, and like that's the, the, case. the Charlotte Hornets and also Africa. Love to add Giannis and Tedekumpo. <laughs> <It's all, laughs> no, we also have the best African players in the league right now assembled: OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, and we have an African president of basketball operations. Some, right, like you say, Giannis in Greek town. Giannis is Nigerian. I mean, obviously, he has strong Greek roots and he speaks the language and whatever. But I think that there would be something attractive to him to playing with people from that continent. He could also they, go to they, Philly they, and play doing, Joel Embiid, who's the look, best African look, player. The point beyond. is, the point is, is that we know that we're going to make a run at him, and I don't think any team has a better shot at getting him away from the Bucks than we do. What I will say they, is, I in the past, I mean, a few years ago. LeBron leaves Cleveland and goes to LA. Yeah. At no point during the entire process did I think, oh, maybe the Raptors could go and offer him. Yeah, and no. You, like, no. I, I but with like, Giannis, that's different, though. I think the door is a little bit open. I don't think it's like, I don't, I wouldn't call it anything like Giannis is targeting Toronto and yeah. wanting to leave Milwaukee. I think I agree, Milwaukee yeah. holds all the chips right now. If they go out and play well this year and exactly. make the NBA finals, there's no way he's leaving. Which is why here on this podcast, we like to secretly pray afterwards we you know we put a little voodoo doll out right so that the bucks will fail no never what's that line from the simpsons it's like when flanders is doing like the announcements and there's like a little prayer at the end and like uh superintendent superintendent Super like Chalmers. religion in my schools not on my watch <laughs> religion on my podcast not on my no, watch this is non-institutionalized voodoo 
Oh my Come god. On, man. All right, uh moving down the list, a couple other things I want to get to. Um Graf, you had the opportunity to meet Nick Nurse, uh ring ceremony. I'm not quite sure what the event was. Can you talk to he us was about spe- that? Yeah, so I was at a UFT event for it's their basketball excellence program and basically he was uh it was just like a fundraising event. So he was speaking. Elliot Friedman was actually the uh, moderator for it who's fantastic. It's kind of like Nardwar. He even brings props and stuff to try to get, cool. uh, to try to get. In. And Nick Nurse, honestly, is the most down to earth, uh, humble. I think we heard a little bit, uh, of him speaking about Pascal today. Honest. He's as honest as it could be. So it was about a 45 minute presentation about his journey, I guess, where his background was, and then a Q and a, and the Q and a, again, there was people from the basketball team at U of T there to kids of some of the parents to some of the MLSE bigwigs who had a table. So it was a real big mix. And the questions were kind of all over the place. So I'll try to go through it a little bit, like pretty quick. But he told us the Phil Jackson story where this summer, basically, not only did he get to spend time with Phil Jackson, but Bill Belichick, um, wow. a whole bunch of the smoking elite, that really shitty weed on Venice Beach. Yeah, like all these Phil elite Jackson. coaches, Phil Jackson though, has good weed, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He was in Montana. He grows it himself he with, uh, <laughs> when he met with Phil Jackson. His, but basically, his, his it's ranch just like in Montana, right? Yeah. Cool, basically, cool. it's like more like the fact that. Now he's part of that elite coaching almost. That palace of greatness. Where yeah. Hang out. It's amazing what Kawhi exactly. Leonard he can got, do He for finally someone's... got the invite. Yeah. Um, he talked about Kawhi um, and he spoke specifically about game one in Orlando and how he all year long, Nick Nurse, was pretty quiet. He, he didn't really say too much. Game one happened against Orlando where we lost. And he pretty much said that he called out Kawhi, Kyle and Danny in front of everybody in the locker room. Elliot Friedman's first question was, did you run it by them first? <laughs> like, did you make sure it's okay with Kawhi that you ream him out? Or did you just do it? And Nick Nurse said, I didn't even think about it. He said, I basically <laughs> went and told them, you guys got to play better, except a lot meaner than that. So he saved it. And then game two, they came out and had the best game ever. And he came back out afterwards and said, if you guys play like that, you'll win the championship. So as a coach, he's very honest. He tells it sort of like it is. Um, it's the same thing, I guess, with each player. He talked about Kyle and how he's willing to give that sacrifice, I guess, to every person. He said Kawhi Leonard was actually as advertised. He doesn't care about the MVP. Nick Nurse said after a few games last year, he'd be like, you could have got 38. Like, what? I didn't have to take health and winning. Yep. That's all Kawhi said. Mm-hmm. I care about health and winning. So he is pretty much as advertised. And the interesting thing he said about Pascal was that right now, Pascal, we're giving him everything. We're just letting him do whatever he wants. And he probably uses about 19 to 21 moves to score baskets. Ideally, we want him down to about six moves. So we're really just finding out how he can be efficient, yeah. how he can really pick and choose what's proper for him and what mm. he can really specialize in. Because right now he's doing so much of everything and yeah. not a lot of really good things. Well, Because they're, they're trying to let him grow. And you have to take take risks in order to let players grow, right? You don't Absolutely. say this about many guys who have a max extension, but he's still figuring it out. Right? Yeah, that's a good like, point. Like yeah. He's, yeah, he's been playing basketball for a lot less of all of these quote unquote superstars yeah. in the NBA. I think mm-hmm. he's still figuring out what works for him and what doesn't. And I think it's great to have a coaching staff that's willing to support yep. that. Yeah, it's exactly. becoming more of the norm now where people haven't hit their ceiling yet yeah. and are all of a sudden getting the max contract. And well, it's also like you could see it in another sport, but we'll use, you know, NFL, for example, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. I think the big thing with Lamar Jackson was they didn't look at what he wasn't good at. They looked at what he was good at. And I think it's the same thing with Nick Nurse is that he's trying to develop skill set based on what they're good at, not just developing a fundamentally well-rounded player, but someone who can maximize what they're most efficient at. Yeah, it's called an asset-based approach instead of a deficit-based approach, right? You don't harp on what someone's not good at. You look at what they are good at and try to grow those aspects. And it's Mm -hmm. funny, he kind of alluded to that because there's a book he mentioned called Freedom in the Huddle. And it's something that he said he's read a 
countless times. And basically, it's about being more democratic with your players, simply. Hmm. It's about giving them... Radical. More, yeah. <laughs> right? Giving them more of a voice. But like yep. he said, it's not just, you know, That's do you like this, do you like that. It's... How do you feel about our video sessions? Too long, too short? How do you feel about our shooting, practice, uh, pregame warm-up? Like literally getting their opinion on everything and being a little bit less authoritative, which is, I mean, you watch Nick Nurse in his interviews. He embodies that to it. Yeah. Too, and right? that's what, it's interesting because that's what Jack was saying to us when he mentioned how like he attended a con a coaching conference like 15, 20 years ago, whatever. And there was a guy running the conference that, you know, that was like, you're the old way of doing things is right. militaristic top down. That's done. Right. That's done. Yeah. Right. You got to. Yeah. And then he talked about the importance of building relationships with players. And I think Nick is is as opposed to Casey. Right. Who was constantly like harping at them. Right. You mentioned he only yelled at them that one time, but it was the most important time for them to be listening. So they heard it and they understand. Exactly. Yeah. He, if you he, yell every single day. Nobody will ever notice. Yep. If exactly. you yell once a year. Everyone will pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Players get sick it's the of opposite of the Jim Boylan effect. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, you yell at players for 60 games straight, they're pretty tired of your voice. Mm -hmm. These are fucking grown men as well. <laughs> like, I don't, like, if this isn't like when you're 15, 14, you need someone to be an authoritative presence. And but it's even worse for the youth, uh, at the youth level, man, because that shit will paralyze players, mm -hmm. right? So he said, uh, on that note, I guess, he said that he'll never speak to the players after a game. A win, a loss, nothing. He said nothing looks as bad or as good as it does that night than it does the next day in the field. Yeah, sleep on it. You have to sleep on it. He said one of the example, he, he reaped up uh, one of his players and the whole team, they lost a game, they should have won. And the coach and the, one of the players goes, we won seven straight before this. And he's like, you're right. Why, why am I, I have to take a step back. And I think that's when Nick Nurse started becoming a much better coach, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that's what he says. He became a better coach when he started going into that. Um... Sorry, two quick, two last points. He says he doesn't understand why shooting isn't more devoured as an art. Isn't more like devoured as an art form. He said if there's one. The question was, what's one thing that you preach that gets overlooked by NBA players a lot? And he said we are telling them to practice shooting constantly, to look at shots, to look at the psychology of shooting, to look at the confidence in shooting, to look at the feet being set in shooting. He goes that. The way that people shoot is not obsessed over enough. And his example was mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet. He said, in Orlando, he got a shot blocked three times in the first game, trying to go for threes. He said, immediately, he looked, look, you're too close. You're in the corner right now. Don't take another three-point from the corner. Step back to the arc and actually step back five feet from, the, from that point yeah. even. That's the only chance we have. So Fred practiced that all playoffs long. And then, of course, game six, he ends up hitting four shots from five feet beyond the arc that have never been done before. <laughs> so that was his example as to how come it's not something that people are obsessing over, it kind of especially me, players. It makes me think of baseball a little bit and how so much recently has been obsessed about players, about their swings, right. launch right. angle exactly. and bat yeah, speed yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Exit velocity. And, all of those yep. things. You should be relating that same kind of thinking to basketball. What arc is on your shot? How quickly is it out of your hand? The mechanics. You, exactly. Yeah. You can break it down with the exact same kind of sports science that they do. Yeah. In and, we spoke, and, we, and we spoke about it a little bit last week. This is Rob McManaman has a book. Mm -hmm. um, and basically he's talking about how he wants people to be fatigued when they shoot, mm -hmm. to mimic a style of play. So that's another example. Put it this way. He's basically saying there's so many ways to do it. And that hasn't even, we haven't really scratched the surface on it mm -hmm. yet. If he was a player development coach, he said that's the one thing he'd be looking at right now. So... Again, he's a very funny guy. He's humble. He speaks uh, exactly as he as he's thinking it. Yeah, and it was quite quite insightful. I would say. Plus, we got to see the ring. 
I saw that, you bastard. Um, <laughs> you should have stole it, taken cool. it with you. All right. I, I thought, just can I ask one quick follow up question? One thing that, that's really interested me about Nurses' journey, uh, where he's had kind of like an unconventional route to the NBA and his experience, like, you know, he was like a player coach in England. Yep, yep, yep. And, it like, and it's like, uh, for, and he's mentioned, like, you know, he's got his head coaching reps doing that, right? And those experiences, like, taught him all this stuff, right? Because I, I know for me, as a soccer coach, like, it was my experiences coaching at high school, right, over and over again. And, and that made me sort of come up with things outside the box, you know what I'm saying? Uh, did he talk at all about that? Like Absolutely. His jer- yeah. Yes. I mean, one of the questions was, hey, some players can rattle off the 30 players before them that were drafted because they have a little bit of, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Draymond Green. Seed. Draymond Green. Exactly. He's a good yeah. example. They ask, can you list your resume of every single place you've ever played or coached? And he goes, yeah, of course. And Elliot Friedman went, do it. So he put his head down and literally went through every single stop and every single journey all the way to the Rio Grande Vipers, to, yeah. to the G League, at the D League at the time. And you're right. That's basically what he said is if there was a team, I'm willing to coach it. Yeah. I went to every rep, any chance I got. And he's like, that's how I got to know Alex McKechnie, who was with the Lakers. And that's who set up my Phil Jackson meeting. He's like, basically, that's what got me to where I am is mm-hmm. making the connections coaching Phil Handy was a was his best player when he was a coach in Britain really yeah who ended up being his main assistant here right so you make those connections Who's up on the bench the Lakers bench now like, it's like screaming a, and yelling it's almost like basketball lifers come together mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and once you have that mentality you're in the club and Nick Nurse has been accepted there seemingly long 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 ago I really like the part in his development story too about when he started in Rio Grande, I didn't believe they had a franchise before. And I think he went and said, here's a location. Here's a vacant he arena. You're them, going yeah. to bring this franchise here and I'm going to be your head coach. So I figured out all the steps to get it there. Instead of searching for openings, he essentially yeah. made his own. He made his vacant. own opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And went with there. Very smart guy. Very insightful. If you ever get a chance to listen to him speak in any sort of capacity, I would definitely recommend it. We're with uh, Greg and Graffin, as well as Jordan Henry of the Muted Madness College Basketball Podcast. Uh, I think it'd be a disservice if we didn't ask you a couple of questions related to college basketball. I think most people do the top five, top ten hottest prospects. We're Canadian Basketball Podcast. Are there any prominent Canadian prospects you can kind of quickly sort of break down up in this upcoming draft? So I know last year there were a couple of marquee guys this season. Are there anybody, any blue chippers out there? Yeah. So, I mean, two things. One, the podcast itself. Yes, we look at Canadian prospects in a whole, but we really focus on the Canadian university basketball aspect. It's oh, kind cool. of just an unexplored. There's some decent players that come out of it. They get yep. G League looks here mm-hmm. and there that we don't see many NBA players come out of Canadian university ball, but there's still great basketball players coming mm-hmm. out of it. When you're asking me about blue chip prospects, I do a lot of work too with TSN when it comes to their BioSteel game and all of the prospect games around that. They're right. high school kind of all-star games. And I've had the opportunity the last four or five years now to see some of the best up-and-coming high school turning into college players in this country. Addison Patterson is going to play at Oregon this year. Mm-hmm. Watch the Oregon Ducks play basketball this year. Addy Pat is he's going to be a starter on this team. They're going to be a top 10 team in the USA. Hmm. I think he's a guy that is really going to get a ton of love. And sorry, just a quick question. There's schools like University of Oregon, mm-hmm. UConn, that have been known sort of as developing Canadians, so to speak. Is there a reason for that out of curiosity? I mean, I think it's just worked out really well for Oregon. Uh, and they kind of just keep going back to the well. I mean, everybody knows the... Chris Boucher, Jordan Bell, yep. 
the two of them. Combination and how well they worked out at Oregon. Yeah, Dylan and Brooks. Dylan, it just it kind of worked yeah, out for them. They're also but, geographically close, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I grew up out west, so I mean, it's yeah. not like if your family's from out west, it's not yeah. far to go Vancouver down yeah, to yeah, Oregon or yeah. anything like that. You're still close to Canada in a sense like that. Uh, I really like Oregon's just one of those teams that's explored the opportunity to bring in Canadian players. And I think it's just kind of an underwhelming aspect that Interesting. people aren't looking at too much. Uh, Cassius McNeely is another player that I really want to watch a lot of this year. Where is uh, he playing? He's at Virginia Tech. And cool. That's, so you talk about Oregon being a Canadian hotbed of basketball. So, Virginia Tech, the exact same thing. For not just basketball, eh? for soccer as well. Mm-hmm. They get a lot of Canadian players down there. Uh the coach there, McNeely, is a relative of Cassius's, so that's kind of how that all gets set see. up. But they've got uh, they've got a really good connection bringing in Canadian players. I think he's going to be another guy that really, really you want to watch a lot of this year. And then uh, Josh Hemmings is another place I lot uh, I want to watch a lot of. Uh, in a couple of weeks here, we've got the the Naismith Classic tournament coming to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see great Canadian players on Harvard. You'll see some good Canadian players on Buffalo. And now, I think a tournament like this coming to Canada is just showing the interest for so, college sorry, basketball. And, and sorry, so this is a tournament that goes on every year? This is, this is the this first is, year? This is new this year. Why the hell aren't there any Canadian teams in it? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is... I was a bit a, disappointed a by Canadian that. Canadian All-Star team, maybe. Even, yeah, you know, or like, even just a little bit of a... I mean, the, the tournament starts at 2 o'clock. Why not do a noon game between... Carlton. Car- yeah, I was going to say. Carlton Ryan or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that that was my first thought. It'd be a good opportunity. I know that was it last year or two years ago they did a similar tournament in Vancouver, yeah, uh, and brought a few teams up there to do it. And I think UBC played on the arena floor mm-hmm. because they rented out the bigger venue for it. Interesting. So, I guess it just depends on the organizing committee. Question for you as well. I'm just through my work. It's how I got to this Nick Nurse mm-hmm. event. Is I was at a couple of the U Sport. Um, I guess ceremonies as well, and I know I think it was two years ago now. I met uh, Kadri Gray yep. for Laurentian, yeah. who's uh, undoubtedly the best player in Canada, seemingly at yep. the time at yep. least. Um, and then this April, I remember that he declared for the NBA draft. Yeah, what is there anything else you can tell us about, or like what ended up happening with? Like, do, do you know like what happened with him? Or so funny enough, there was two players from Canadian University basketball that ended up declaring for the NBA draft. Okay. Neither of them ever actually followed through. I think they. They both just kind of wanted to see the opportunity of going to these workouts. Uh, the other one was Tenor Nagam, a seven foot one center that plays at Ryerson University. I've here seen in him. Okay, I've seen him too. Um, he's from Senegal. He yes. was recruited here by Roy Rana, who is was, now Sacramento. Yeah, and he's actually in town. He was uh, practicing today at the Madame Athletic Center where Ryerson. Right. Well, I guess Sacramento's uh, here yeah. on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was I was actually at Sacramento's practice earlier today, catching up with Roy okay. and seeing them. But a couple of great players, and, and you mentioned Cadre Gray. If you have any interest about Canadian basketball in this country, the kid is must watch. Yeah, yes. can, yeah, yeah. And go for 50, 20, and 10 like that. Yeah, he's insane. At the same time, six, six, three. Saturday night, six, he had 28 points and only had two made field goals. Like, got to the line like 26 times. Like, can do it in a bunch of he ways. He can do it in a bunch of ways. Like, even when he shoots three of 12, he can still put 25 points right. on you. It's, he's, he's a blast to watch. Tenorna Gomes, like, I don't know if we're at the point yet where we're going to see players from Canadian University basketball get drafted to the right. NBA. Right, that was my next question. Uh, and I think a lot of that's just there's only two rounds, right? Okay. You see a lot of very good college basketball players get undrafted. 
I think we're not too far away from a player gets signed as a free agent. Well, that's a great point. You know, you think about the development of the G League. You know, I think most teams at this point right now have an affiliated G League team. You know, why not expand the draft? Yeah. Three, and I mean, four rounds, right? 905's yeah. actually been doing a pretty good job in Mississauga of looking at U Sports players. Aaron Best, who was a Ryerson alum. Right, Case right. Kajim, mm-hmm. Keen, Case Keen. Yeah, yeah. He, I got an opportunity to watch both those guys play. Yeah, and, so they both played for 905, and they were both U Sports guys. And I think that... And I mean, the entire coaching staff at 905 too, most of them has uh, U-sports experience under their belt. I mean, right. head coach John Mahalan was at U of T before, and now he's coaching the 905. So looking at direct lines from U-sports to the NBA, there's been players that have made it before. I think that Tenorna Gom's a really interesting prospect just because that Seven foot one really he's jumps off the, the page again. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> length and the... And he's got experience. He he learned to shoot from uh, Dirk Nowitzki's shooting coach in Germany. He got out well, of Senegal early. That guy's a mad scientist, yeah. man. Yeah. Dirk Nowitzki's shooting coach. I've seen some of the things he does. Yeah. So I think we're close. I think when Kadre Gray here ends his stint at Laurentian, he's now in his fifth year. He yeah. might get some looks at least for a G League. Yeah. And I think you're going to see possibly the same thing with Tenor Nagam. Awesome. Alrighty, jumping in the second quarter, uh, I don't want to talk about this in too much detail, but uh, John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks, who's the third player this season, pot for PEDs, taking a 25-game suspension. Obviously, John Aiden was the second, and we got Wilson Chandler as the first. Just going off this report, it's a really awesome report on SB Nation titled The NBA's Rise in PED Suspensions Explained. Uh, they kind of just talk about... Um, you know, the, what is happening on the current collective bargaining agreement? Basically, players can be randomly tested up to four times during the season, twice for HGH and twice during the offseason. Um, basically, what's going on this year, though, that I think in the past there were 13 athletes who got caught taking PEDs. We got Ever. three this season. Is this a pandemic? Like, I know that Derek Rose, you know, George Carl have been kind of calling it um, something that probably should have you know, come in the public spotlight a little bit earlier, like it has been going on for quite some time. Do you think it's going to evolve and it's something a lot bigger than it is right now? Or do you think these are two small sample sizes and it's not going to blow it up? Just a uh, quick question before uh, the John Collins situation. Was he like caught taking PEDs or was it again a situation like Aiden where he got no. tested positive for growth hormone releasing peptide two? Okay. And I will say this is one thing I love the NBA does is they release which drug you yeah. were positive for. Every other sport, it's just tested positive for a PED and you have no idea what this NFL or NHL Be- because player who, has done. Like who oh, this year, right? We've all, oh, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't Tyree Evans also? Or him was just violation of the league's drug policy. There wasn't any information was really. Policy. Yeah. yeah. So that was maybe More recreational. Crack policy. Probably. But the, the, PED, <laughs> yeah. the PEDs was Chandler, Aiton, and now Collins. And on so on this article, Chandler was I apologize, Ibamorelin, which is a growth hormone that helps decrease body fat and increase lean muscle. Aiton was uh, diuretics, which is the uh, increased urine Diuretics, flow. yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. which is basically to hide, to mask other shit. And then Collins was, like he said, GHRP2, yeah. which helps increase This is bullshit. Time. This is bullshit. Okay, these guys get 25 games for taking, like, a drug that fucking enhances your physical playing ability. Tyreek Evans smokes a little bit of crystal meth, and he loses his fucking life. Like, oh, be fuck doing <laughs> Hey, okay, I understand um, uh, Tyson Chandler doing it, right? Wilson Chandler. He's, sorry, 
Oh, was it? It's Wilson Chandler. Okay, my fault. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but even to him, I understand him doing it. He's older, trying to get back from injury. But DeAndre Ayton and John Collins, these guys are young studs, man. Like, like their bodies are producing enough testosterone. I also but, will say, though, like, you look at DeAndre Ayton and you look at John Collins, both these guys play into the hoop. Are either of them that big? They're not. not really. They're, they're not. not. And they, it kind of makes sense. Like, oh, could you use 20 pounds of muscle? Of course sure, you could. But those guys, <laughs> those guys can gain five pounds of muscle just looking at a dumbbell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're such great athletes. I, like, who's in their ear? I, I don't know why John Collins got caught. For, for this, but DeAndre Ayton, I think he was just smoking weed and tried to get rid of it. I, I like that's wait. So like the diuretics are used to get rid. We really flush, should have done used, our homework here. It's, yes, it's used to flush things out of your system so, so, so you don't get it caught. Could be anything. So yes. he could have just been doing lines Rec- of cocaine. People are saying a lot of people are speculating and he was just bunning, wreck, and he smoking. just didn't want it. Yeah, but Sean Collins, uh, I don't know how to defend that. I feel like the idea around catching people for steroids and PEDs in sports, I think it's kind of changed in the last 20 years where in the 90s you had all these baseball players getting caught and then it completely dropped off forever where I think you're an idiot if you get caught. Agreed. There's so many drugs out there now that can be in and out of your system. Well, that's kind of what hours. the article was alluding to is that, you know, the truth is, is that the players are able to hire people that are just ahead of the curb, right? Yeah. And, and I... You know, like like they're always, you know, it's similar to crime, right? Like, like the criminals are always ahead of the law, right? But look, look like Lance Armstrong never got caught. Exactly. Cheating. No, but That's their okay. Example. But here's the thing: in basketball, unlike say baseball, where you're, you know, you need uh, uh, that that jacking homers yeah. over the fence, okay? big in, arms, Michael. In sports like soccer or basketball, where it is, look, if you got skill, right, and really, and the type of of athleticism like jumping ability. I don't know. Like, obviously, you can get some benefit, but they don't lend itself intuitively to the idea of performance-enhancing drugs, like the risk that you'd have to take. Okay, but— But a player like John Call, maybe it's like, yeah, I got to bulk up because I'm undersized for my position. Exactly. Just like it's big men right now, like I guess with yeah. DeAndre Ayton. It, 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 would you be surprised if it was—if you've got—if goalies in soccer— were got caught taking HGH. I wouldn't be there. Yeah, maybe too skill. Yeah, no, but I'm, right? but I'm, so but I'm saying certain I mean. sports like like lend it lends itself. You know, like so like a Olympic weightlifter, right? Has more use for that, right? Of course. Now I'm worried about my man Surge. Don't say that. I'm worried about you know he's looking like a new man he's out aging there. Aging backwards. Yes. I know. I, don't, I don't know. Jinx it. I know. <laughs> I know. Serge Ibaka is probably on HGH. <laughs> Whatever, man. I think don't this shows that, like, but the NBA is taking it really seriously. Yeah, like, I well, think, 25 games, yeah, right? Like they're or they're just getting ahead of it, and I think makes it, you wonder though. But you're seeing a lot more testing. I think that's why you're seeing these more positive show up. Is if you just do random tests, it's just throwing a net into a lake and trying to catch a fish mm-hmm. with. It. Oh yeah. But if you put 45 nets, you might come up with a fish. Well, I thought this was all just intended to stop like J.R. Smith from smoking up in the in the locker room. You know, like that's what I thought the drug testing was first designed. Like it's I didn't really think intended. that there was, I didn't think that, that there was a serious steroid problem. There's not. In, they just want to stop the, the Suns and the Hawks from meeting in the final. <laughs> Clearly that's what was going to happen. Yeah. Time. Yeah. No, it's like the, the LA media market is angry. They'll be fine. <laughs> they have Alex Len, man. He'll thought he'll be the stop gap up until. Poor John. man's Jonas Valanciunas. This is good for Atlanta. I think maybe they took, like, they got him to take this on purpose. Atlanta's not good enough to make the next jump to the playoffs. Ooh, yet. that's oh, a that's a Yeah, right. I agree. Ooh, I agree with that. But yeah. maybe they'll lose the next 25 games here and they'll put him into a lottery position. And then you can say, yeah. well, if John Collins doesn't test positive, do they win the lottery? 
Yeah, exactly. It's similar to knowing Golden Atlanta State, will finish ninth. It's similar to Steph Curry yeah. going Screw down. them over in the end, and they're just like, oh, if only we had Collins for those 25 games. Uh, going into third quarter. Uh, so ba- new season, two weeks in. A uh, lot of new narratives. Everything's kind of changed. Everything's kind of flipped on its head to a certain degree. Um, so what are some of the more surprising teams or players in this upcoming season? Anyone kind of stick out to you? Uh, Greg, what do you the got, Gold buddy? Golden State Warriors stick out to me like a sore thumb. So on this podcast last week saying they were dead in the water. Now they're like sunken at the bottom of the ocean like a shipwreck. Yeah, but we also didn't like, envision I was gonna Steph Curry breaking his wrist. I'm not getting injured. I'm not, hey, with, so put it this way. Let's with take the Steph top Curry, three players. With Steph Curry, they were still not going to make the playoffs. No, but that roster find, was terrible. Thank God we'll never know. But, but, no, no, but I'm just saying watching them. Take the Lakers. Watching them is shocking. But like, you, it's but shocking. But they have five the no-name players. And you remove LeBron James, and you remove Anthony Davis, and you remove Danny Green. Yeah. How good is that team? But if you took off AD and you left LeBron, they'd Wait, still but, make the playoffs, but, but right? But they've lost their three best players. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's This is perfectly yeah. normal. And by the way, LeBron right? was on the team last year where they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, just, but just a reminder. LeBron was on a crappy Cavs team, and he took them right to the finals. Let's Steph talk about Curry can't be your main guy Hold and you on. think you're you going to win a championship. You just glossed over oh, last no, no, no. year. I don't think Steph I know. You just, the main you just guy. glossed over last year. LeBron yeah, well, James didn't make the playoffs. Because he got injured. If he was there, he would have Weird. Got Injuries played a part. Eh? Yeah, no, but no, no, but this is not, Steph Curry being healthy, I still don't think gets the Warriors in the playoffs this year. Their roster. The Lakers last year had Kyle know, Kuzma. Name the second best player on freaking the Warriors right now when he was there. I, th- I think something else you got to look at with this Warriors team that kind of helps them out. Like, the depth is really getting shown on display right now because their starting five is unavailable from last year. Oh, yeah. But I think this also shows that Golden State was trying to get under the luxury tax. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't want to pay the repeater. They didn't want to because they just opened a brand new building. Yes, and- the Golden State Warriors make a ton of money, but opening the Chase Center isn't cheap and paying a repeater tax isn't cheap. Well, they ain't making it's no like- money on ticket sales, brother. But that arena is empty. You're mad at the Raptors fans? <sighs> no, yeah. that's It's bad, though, man. Like, like I and look, I'm I'm not saying like um that they the they should be expected to do any better like they the warriors uh sacrificed their depth to get Kevin Durant and then Kevin Durant left so then they didn't have that that sniper anymore and then they didn't have their depth well they right? had depth with Kevin was there no no i think they sacrificed a lot of their depth to get Kevin Durant actually if you look at those teams that well, won those 72 games they were very deep kind of going to what you're saying though like you, you know instead of you know throwing up some money at you know someone that can kind of replicate the offense that Kevin Durant brings and DeAndre Russell is the same player obviously why not spend your money and invest in three four guys that can kind of fill out the roster as opposed to just having this very shallow bench running situation and I think right you're now. kind of seeing that now with teams going with the dynamic duos instead of yeah. the big threes mm-hmm. you're trying to take that yeah. third max spot and turn it into two or three players yeah. So, but I just meant that the, it's shocking to see the Warriors like this because, like you look at that lineup last year, best lineup in NBA history, right? Boogie Cousins at the five, Draymond, uh, Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph. And now you've got a bunch of players that, with the exception of this year, like no one's ever heard of. Hey, Eric Pascal is a really sneaky good rookie. No, and you, you remember that Jordan Poole, Poole great, Michigan winner? Great there draft. And, there's, and there's a lot of, just like you said about uh, uh, Chris, Collins being out, I think Steph Curry going down Willie was Collins probably died. a blessing in disguise. Because they're it's just like when 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 the Spurs... Of course it is. When the Spurs uh, had David Robinson injured for a year, they get the number one pick, they get Tim, Tim Duncan, and then yeah. they're back at it. Next and year, the Warriors will be right back as a... Uh, Western power. The scariest thing for the rest of the league is the Warriors having a top 15 pick. Yeah. Because they've hit on their 30 overall picks. Exactly. So what are they going to do in the top 10? Exactly. The last three were freaking Clay and uh, Steph. Not in the top five, either of them. All right, Graf, what do you got? They'll draft fine. Uh, Somebody that's jumped right out to me out of the gate. Yeah, any surprises? 
I love watching the Phoenix Suns. I had no yeah. idea. Oh. I, you just didn't, you just got yourself an no. invite back. Brandon, <laughs> this is Brandon Tipster team of the year. I'm sorry, they're they're the most fun team to watch. The biggest the surprise for me is Ricky Rubio. Like just you know, He's six and a half rebounds per game, nine as like what nine assists. He doesn't. That's not a game. surprise. He leads the team in rebounding. I think that's a surprise. That's insane. I don't understand. <laughs> well, Aiton's out. Aaron Baines <laughs> dropping threes, man. He's insane. You know, good. Aaron Baines has hit more threes this season than the rest of his NBA career. Oh, I, I can eight, believe it. He hit I, eight threes the rest of his career. He's already hit like twenty this year. It they're like Aiton goes out. Yeah. Aaron Baines gets showcased. It's like four and a half attempts per game, shooting forty eight percent from the three point line, fifteen points per game as well. You know, everyone thought when DeAndre Aiden went out, this team was in complete you, turmoil. What do you attribute their success to? Because to me, I look at that coach, Monty Williams. Mon- Monty Williams won, big player guy, but I, it, it's got to be Rubio. Rubio. I think the yeah. fact that you have freed up. Booker. Booker. He doesn't have to he defend. He doesn't, and he doesn't have to carry the ball up. Yeah. No, he, can, he becomes he can, a true off-guard shooter. He can be a true two-guard. Shooting 50% from three with five and a half attempts per game. He took 16 shots last night and had 40 points. When is the last time, like, I can For him to be that efficient, that's... I don't even care about the efficiency of the points. When's the last time you saw Booker take 16 shots in a game? Yeah. He's like 20 plus minimum mm-hmm. all of last season. And I think the key, like, because I've been watching them too. They, you're right. They are fun to watch. They're one of my league pass teams, I like to oh, call they're, them. Oh, they're everyone's league pass and teams. They're a blast. A couple things. So that whole 0.5 seconds to make a decision thing is uh, for Monty Williams, I think, is really helping their offense just click. They also never want to have two people in the paint. I read an article about this today. Yeah. So Saric basically is just running. Saric just run a, runs a mile a game apparently. Well, Frank, like and, completely... Frank Kaminsky and Saric can kind of fill that role, right? Yeah, well, they're just constantly sprinting around, setting screens all the time. And I think Devin Booker's not taking shots at the end of a 24-second shot clock anymore or like at the last no. second of a court. He's taking them because it's getting the ball in the rhythm and Aaron Baines has passed up a three so that he can get an open well, three. I love like the fact that they just had a come-to-Jesus moment and they just reestablished their identity. They had a couple terrible drafts. You know, they had guys like Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Josh, Josh Jackson on the team. Obviously, weren't moving the needle and they just sort of, you know, reshuffled the deck, filled, refilled the cupboard and well, you're looking at, you know, just you know, even getting a guy like building around a guy like Kelly Oubre, you know, even bringing in Javon Carter for Josh Jackson. Javon Carter is well. my favorite player. And, that, on that and that's team what I'm going to say. The back end of their bench is, I would like, I don't know if you can name an NBA team with a better 8, 9, 10 guy than Javon Carter, Tyler Johnson, Mikal Bridges. Playoff team? You know what? Yeah. Oh, I think I, I, I think with it's the only reason why I brought them the even with I, this Aiton <laughs> suspension. Well, the way they're clicking right now, yeah, they hey. if, if they can. Go 500 without Aiton, and then you take this team and then yeah. you add one of the best big men in basketball back to it. And I think you've got a few teams in the West right now which are underperforming. Golden State, which is one. A lot of like, I think most people had them penciled for a seven or eight in the yeah. playoff spot. Yeah, then they've. It was it was a hot take to say they weren't going to be a playoff team when the year began. Yeah. Now they're looking at a bottom five. Yep. That's an open spot. The- I think that Phoenix. I mean. Philly was the last undefeated team, and they just yeah. lost to the Phoenix Suns, and it yeah. didn't look like a fluky loss. Yeah, no, they're. I mean, they're going to be right there. I think. Uh, who would have thought it'd be like Dallas and Phoenix battling? I was going to say like, Dallas. Playoff yeah. spot in the way. Like, who would have? No one. No one. If someone told me that, I, I been, said like, that I thought Dallas would make the playoffs. Phoenix. I I had Phoenix penciled in as a bottom feeder of the West. So I really did. The only reason why I, I thought Phoenix would not would I think I put the over on on their win share uh, when we did this whole exercise at the beginning of the year is because of Monty Williams. 
I, yeah. I truly do believe Monty Williams. And the other thing this article said is they're basically the way their defense is 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 positioned. They dare teams to shoot three point shots, which is what Mil- uh, Milwaukee does, right? Right. So like, yeah, you crowd the shit out of the paint. Aaron Baines, like you said, has become not just good at threes, but somehow he's amazing at switching onto guards. He was always a good positional defender. Aaron Wait till Baines. they face a team though that's a really good three point team, like I like them versus Houston. I think it's going to be a fantastic type of game. And can we talk about surprises in Houston? Is anybody surprised that it's taking them this long to kind of get it to get Brandon? Are you surprised? No. Can I ask you that question, Brandon? Well, you knew my prediction about the team coming in, right? We did our uh, NBA win total predictions yeah. last and week. You said and you under. Yeah. Like my whole thing is depth. I understand they want to run the two star offense, you know, one guy on the bench, one guy on the court. But, you know, I don't think they have enough players and bodies to sort of be competitive 48 minutes every game. But it seems to be defense. Like what did they you know, they won that game against Washington where they won like 159 to 158. Yeah. And like and, and that's that that was a great that was a, that was the best. Uh, what was it? Houston, Washington sporting event that night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the same night as the final game of the yeah, World yeah, Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Graf, what do you got? All right, so my contender for your best seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I mean Drogic, jo- yeah. James Johnson, and Kelly Olynyk is yeah. not a bad seven, no. eight, nine. So Not to heat, mention right? Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters still behind that. Like, Hold on, the is heat, this for real man, though? Is heat. this for real? Yeah. yeah, because they can. Because again, we've been talking about it the whole time. Miami basketball is about team plot. They sent James Johnson home because he's looking too ass fat. Home. Bro, you better be ready when you're coming to play with Miami. Pat I Riley, Pat Riley, man. Pat Riley has that old school mentality, and I think it actually is. Per- it went away for a while, and now because, it's almost like coming back. Well, because Jimmy because Butler's of your leader too. Whiteside and Waiters, man. I agree. They had a very relaxed uh, attitude in the past. Hit the draft too of Tyler Hero and Kendrick Tyler Nunn. I mean, Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Kendrick Nunn. Oh, my God. I mean, I hate to, you know, be this excited over someone who got arrested for what he did. At the same time. What did he get arrested for? uh, I don't know. Hitting. hitting Battered. uh, Okay. Yeah, we sold roof of the fucking Kansas City Chiefs. So, next. Yeah. Um, like, no, I'm not dismissing it. I'm no, just saying does? that the culture we live in where yeah, we yeah, kind yeah. of overlook these sort of um, like incredibly violent situations, you know, yeah, like you can't. A lot of these guys have a lot of these guys have have some horror stories and they're professional athletes and people make can, mistakes. You and, can you can dislike their off the court persona, yeah. but still get excited when they make good basketball plays. Yeah. And look, they beat Houston. Yep. Handedly. And no, but that my, was because Myers they had the Miami team. flu. Westbrook was out partying all night, man. Too bad he's in well, Westbrook. <laughs> Myers, Leonard, and Robinson were their two leading scorers. Like so I think you there put was Miami a, is better than that, the Raptors. By the way, sorry, stop for a second no. here. That trade worked out fantastic for Miami. They were able to dump not only the volatile personality of a song Whiteside, but that contract. <laughs> Myers, Leonard. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but former lottery pick, yeah. a guy who had hypothetical upside as a modern day five. You know, he's only what 26, 27. The guy could become a starting center. It is a win. It's one of the rare the bench, in my right? mind win-win trades. It was, it was a more like a like trade for nothing kind of get off the you, south. It yeah, was, thing, but Whiteside's been good in Portland. Like I think both teams have actually been much better off with what they have. Just need to change the scenery. Yeah, Whiteside you know, doesn't need to shoot there. He's he's in Portland. Like you know who could really use Myers Leonard right now is the Portland Trailblazers because Collins yep. is now a yep. four or five down. So I mean, the Blazers they might be a team that we look back on and they like and they and won't be the in the nine spot. Yeah, yeah we might look eight. back at last year as sort of the. How it's like a blip on the radar, yeah. right? Like how do they make the, how do they finish third? How do they make the conference yeah, finals? Yeah, yeah. I mean. 
kind of Damian Lillard. Maybe he's a <laughs> well, you know, it's a backcourt game now, right? And you've got those two guys gunslinging, right? Uh, they don't have Nurkic right now. Whiteside is supposed to fill a void. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough in that West. Hey, let's go back to the Miami Heat. Yeah. They have seven players averaging over double digits, over, I think, 13 points per game. They're the minutes, just, it's a competition almost there, right? Like players are competing yeah. for the minutes. And I yeah. think that's one of the best environments if it's done correctly. And I think Eric Spolstra has enough pedigree yep. to his background where players absolutely will well, listen. Because he know because players know that the organization has backs him back. up. Exactly. Pat that's Riley so has right? Spolstra's back. Yep. And then you get someone like Jimmy Butler. And I, I don't know, this was like maybe the f- first two days of the preseason. Jimmy Butler tweeted that he's in the gym at 3 a.m. And then yeah. someone else, Tyler Hero or something, tweeted out like great motivation it's six o'clock i just got here but tomorrow i'm gonna be i'm gonna beat you like but no, yeah, that's the yeah, i yeah. get it uh, half it's of actually it's not it's actually not good for them to be working out the, at those hours but yeah i get it yeah and like the thing about like jimmy butler on this team is like he missed a couple games early in the season when was it a daughter or son i can't remember yeah his daughter, yeah, his daughter, daughter, yeah, daughter exactly. was born he was away for a couple days they went on the road to milwaukee right. in the bucks home opener without jimmy butler had five guys scoring double digits, one yep. by five in OT. And that that stuff's encouraging. And that it, shows that your best player is out and the rest of the team stepped up and you have the depth to contend with a top team. It's funny, I watched that game specifically, yeah. and I one of the one main thing I noticed was that Kendrick Nunn, who's supposed to be this rookie, yeah. literally was playing better than Bledsoe at Bledsoe's own game. Yeah. Like he's like a that's what he's gonna be, right? Like a He's gonna be better, I think, now. But mm. he was being—he was better than Eric Bledsoe in that game. It was pretty crazy. Too. I think a like, lot of guys might be better than Eric Bledsoe. I know. I feel like I have him from the Suns days a little bit too yeah. overrated. The, uh, the Bucks are capped, baby. Yeah. I'll finish this yeah. one off myself. Giannis wants to come here. Um, my biggest surprise this year. Um, you think about the face of basketball Canada, gone through switches. You know, Steve Nash and then Andrew Wiggins was that next sort of hope, the next guy who kind of lead the uh, the, the FIBA Olympic team to promised land, or at least respect to a certain degree. Uh, you know, you get other guys coming in afterwards. Jamal Murray obviously had that Corey incredible Joseph. play. Corey Joseph. Even R.J. Barrett, you know, coming as a second yeah. over or third overall pick. Anthony Bennett. Just the evolution of Shea Gildas Alexander in the season from a guy who had hypothetical upside, he was a sexy sort of hipster prospect kind of player last year, to becoming a legitimate superstar this season, in my opinion, the best Canadian basketball player in the world is my biggest surprise. Superstar is a stretch. Star. I'm looking at 22, 7.2, and 3.3, playing the, the two positions. So he's on a point guard, playing beside Chris Paul, shooting, what, 46%, 38% from the three. He's kind of, you know, improving all the limitations yeah. he had coming into college. And I think you think about that draft, you had, what, Sexton, Shea Young, and Shea Gillisander was playing th- third fiddle. And yeah. I remember if you guys were on the podcast, I was big on Shea. I call him my favorite point guard in the draft. Yeah. Obviously him and Trey Young are right up there in discussion, but that's my biggest surprise this season. Shea Gillis Alexander is, in my opinion, in the face of Canada basketball. He's a modern point guard. Like yeah. you don't you're not gonna see six foot, six one point guards coming out like your Chris Paul's anymore. You're going He's to an see attack more, guard, yeah. You're gonna see guys that are six five with arms that can handle the rock just like, the fine. Guy, he's, he's like RJ Barrett. Yeah. Well he's like yeah. what, six foot seven? Yeah, so, six six, right? Yeah, six six. He can think about even the potential for the Canadian Olympic team. Be able to slide into the three. If you want to put like play, an Akil Alexander Walker, agrees to play. Yeah, no, that's a big <laughs> issue. So you think he's better than Jamal Murray right now? Yeah. I mean, I looked at the stats. I was actually pretty shocked that his stats are definitely better than Jamal. Okay, it's just nah, if he plays on a losing a, team. That's what I mean. And, if you're putting and, a roster together, I don't think you're picking Shea over Jamal. Right but now. he's younger. He's, he's no, young. but I mean today. To, to, to Olympics start today. Who's your starting I would, I would, If we're talking about building no. a franchise and having... No, I'd probably, Olympics. See, I'd, like, yeah, I'd probably put the two of them in the backcourt. 
I think you can. Yeah. I think you can convince Shea to move to the two. And then what? Wiggins at three or yeah. RJ at the three? RJ. Yeah, RJ has been playing fantastic. Wiggins six well. man Wiggins off the bench. Been Wiggins six man off the bench. You got. You got to. You, you got to fire up that guy somehow. <laughs> okay. uh, and lastly, on what we're surprised about, uh, did anybody see uh, that duel between LeBron and and Luca? Yep, that was yep. awesome. We were texting my, about it the whole time. Awesome. My awesome. goodness! Did we see that duel between Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid? Also, oh, <laughs> how did we not? How did we not talk about that? And, uh, who would get in the middle of those two? Did you see ben Jeff Simmons jump right in there, man? Too. Oh my goodness! Imagine that spills over into like the second row. So the whole crushes a small child. The interesting thing about that that got to me was the fact that Embiid afterwards brought Jimmy Butler sort of into the mix. And oh, thank you for and dude's mom and the guy's mom. Like, just shut up, man. Leave it on the court. I hate that shit. He I knows know that Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns, are legit friends. Yeah. Like they they're they're friends, friends. Yeah. Like you even see it afterwards. I don't know. Like there's a. Jimmy Butler had actually had a really interesting quote today. He said basically that I'm not going to disclose why I left Philly, but, but I didn't get along reason, with yeah. certain people there. But I talked to Joel Embiid every single day. Interesting. It's weird. It seems like to me, like maybe, maybe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid aren't necessarily right. as tight as we really think they are. Hey, Ben Simmons, king of the quadruple single. That's going <laughs> to right. get you seven points, six rebounds, five assists, and four steals every night. But I, I don't know like if you want that on Max, but I didn't like the chatter thing. after on on. Uh, I don't think it's a good look for the NBA for these guys to be like going at each other like about a fight, and you know what I'm saying? Like like going at each other about like so and so. I love it. I, I love that shit. I love animosity. It's why basketball better than entertaining. Oh, I know. It, I know people find it entertaining, but. The the pro it really cheapens the product. It's like, like the it's, Celtics Lakers late seventies early eighties. So you need to have these rivalries. You have people either love it Larry or, Bird or they're like on Instagram in nineteen eighty. Yeah, Kermit Washington like almost murdering. <laughs> I'm fine with them rumbling on the court. They didn't I really, really am. fight though. No, 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 that's but but. You guys ever see the video media, of Rudy? All that is just extra to me. I don't. They don't need to do it's that. It's a social media age, man. Oh, That's where I think our age is the, a little bit too NBA, old for that. The NBA, though, the NBA is going to come down hard on that shit because for them, from a marketing standpoint, what was, no, it's, it's like, no good. I, a game each. You can't two be games? calling someone. They they got, got? So they got two games each. Ben Simmons got no games. I I, I disagree with man. I think the NBA. You think the NBA loves, loves it? This. I think they eat this shit up. I'll, sponsors. I'm thinking of sponsors. I'll go both ways. I, I will pander to the part and say, yes, it's awesome. It's a blast. And I love when they post it on social media. I will pander to you and say, you don't need to bring up the moms or any of that other stuff. And it was it. just very juvenile. Yeah. Like it was quite juvenile. If, if you could just be like, look, like you got lucky quick shot. I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. But that I'll go back and forth. Like that's like, it's like a, these, these Twitter wars that go nowhere, right? You're always arguing with a fool. Hashtag this league. But look, <laughs> look at the amount of likes on each on each post. Yeah, so yeah. from a marketing, but I'm, if you're a, you know for sponsorships and stuff, the NBA might be concerned about that. Right, but maybe ESPN sliding them like a little bit of money, be like, hey, if you post this on Instagram, yeah. we've got a full block on first take tomorrow. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, 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 I'm the yeah. UFC. I'm slipping the money and saying, uh, encourage that Ben Simmons hey, choke. I would a pay more. for. The, I would pay money to see those two guys get in the boxing ring for charity. I don't know how, but a bunch of video of Carl Anthony Towns. No, okay, of okay, him okay. Boxing. Wait, wait, Everyone wait, wait, thinks wait. he's gonna beat Joel. Not for charity because they. Like obviously they're not gonna be incentive to win. They're going like and, and, and secondly, you're gonna pick those two guys out of anyone in the NBA that could be potentially paired against each other in a boxing match. Who would you pick? Those two right I, now, dude. I w- I would do fucking like like who's the tallest guy in the NBA right now? Bar- uh, Marjanovic, Marjanovic, or whatever. I want to see. Boban? Boban. I wanna, Boban. Thank you. I, I want to <laughs> see Chris Tapas Porzingis fight PJ Tucker. That's a fight. <laughs> no, James Johnson, PJ Tucker. That would yeah, be the James Johnson versus like James Johnson's David. Be. I was gonna say I don't think PJ Tucker would wanna no. Would want to go in on that but what shoes would he wear 
All right, guys, we're going to go in the fourth quarter. We'll be back in one second. I just want to thank uh, Jordan again for joining us on the podcast. We're going to get Greg's gripe next. And uh, yeah, again, check out Muted Madness podcast. When Where can people grab it? Uh, it's iTunes, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. SoundCloud, you can find us there. And uh, on Twitter, at Muted Madness Pod. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Alrighty, finally, it's time for Diamond Pizza sponsored, non sponsored segment, Greg's Gripe. Um, just with like Toronto sports or sports in general, they gain more popularity. Look at the Toronto Blue Jays when they went through their playoff run, the ticket prices skyrocketed. Uh, you can look at, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs. You got to play an arm and a leg just to get tickets in the nosebleeds. People are being priced out. The tickets are going to companies, and you're not getting the best fans and best reception in the auditorium. So, Greg, I know you had a little bit of a gripe about that can you tell the people what's up i got a buddy he's from england he's a he's a football hooligan undertaking graduate work here at the university of toronto what does the word football hooligan mean by yeah the those way? two sentences you just said completely like i have a soccer phd who's a football hooligan who's doing his phd a that's sorry that doesn't exist hooligan okay and he knows about being a fan he knows about uh, emphatic fan bases. Right, like riots and the smashing F- your opponent's face in when you're lining the up. The ephemeral feelings I've of seen being s- in a lit up environment. I've and seen green stream was- hooligans. I've seen, you know, just bricks through fucking cafe windows. and That's okay, right? That is what you see in Jurassic Park, right? But this guy was at the opening ceremony. He got tickets. Okay, a friend of his took him. And he sends me a text and he goes, mate, these fans are tame, mate. Oi! They're tame. Oi! Right? And I'm like, you know, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I I turned up my speakers there at home and I and I listened. And I'm like, and this was just the first game there. And I'm like, yeah, these fans are really soft. Like, they're so quiet. There's no ravenous chance. Who are they facing? Out of curiosity. Right? This is the Pelicans, but it was ring night. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but I didn't want to say anything because I wanted to take a larger sample size. And I've been just observing... Like the docility of the crowds this season, right? And you know, Brandon, in your interlude, you mentioned the soaring ticket prices. Dude, do you remember, right? Do you remember when we could go to a game for 15 bucks a pop for the cheap seats? Right. There's a fine line between that, though, because obviously you don't want to price people out, but like you look at the fiasco and the juries of like the $2 tickets. You had like, that's because Skydome has how many, Skydome has how many tickets of it, like how many seats, right? 50K, yeah. Right. Right. But, do you remember, right? We were able to go to a Raptors game for an affordable amount. You didn't get maybe the best seats. That's fine, but you had access, right? Mm-hmm. I really do believe that the true fans are being priced out of watching Raptors games, right? And as a result, like I said, you're getting these just lackluster crowds. I'm looking, first of all, people aren't filling into the seats. There's tons of empty seats in those corporate rows, right? I was right? going to say, just, just to clarify here, we're not talking about the upper bowl right now. No, we're not. Strictly no, no. And the chants I hear are from that We're talking bowl. about like Gary at Deloitte who's getting a pretzel, but then like sits around the bar for like yeah, the majority who, of the Yeah, who goes there just, you know, to schmooze with his buddies, right, at the bar during halftime and doesn't come in until like the end of the uh, of the third quarter. Right. And I'm watching and I'm seeing people in courtside seats just on their phones. Right. Just disaffected, disinterested. And, you know, my thing to MLSC. Right. And they're always like pushing the social justice mission about Launchpad and how they're helping the disenfranchised, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you start by giving us affordable access to your product? Mm -hmm. Right. Not not to mention the fact that Bell and Rogers have effectively created a monopoly over the actual viewing of the games. You have to have both in order to watch every game at plus Sportsnet one or Reddit. 
<laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but okay, so just a couple points there. Uh, Am I crazy? No, but at the same time, like StubHub, I just looked up picture, uh, prices for this, this Wednesday's game against Sacramento. I mean, you're sitting row nine up in the top for 50 bucks Canadian, 37 US. That's not terrible. Where did you see those seats available? StubHub. I, literally, Can you get two first, together? The first Google, yeah. I mean, it's, it's but even first, that, 50 bucks for the worst possible seats. Right. So if you wanted to actually see the game, Right. If you wanted to see the game, but that's, and think about the markup though from let's say five years ago when we went and we're paying like 15, 20 bucks, right? It's like over doubled, 50% increase. Two things. The, the success cost, of the team. The right? cost of a championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're paying now to see champions play. But we're not just playing to see it, the, the the Raptors play. And two, you know, look at the look at the city we're in, man. Yeah. We're the, everything everything is inflated. We're the fourth biggest city I in North America. I was watching a Cavs game. I don't know why I was, but I was. And they were advertising, okay? They said you can get two tickets for 50 bucks and a beer each. One beer at the ACC or Scotiabank Arena now, right? It's like 11 bucks, yeah. Yeah, right? At the same but time. Think about, think about the, the I probably the wouldn't do that deal. You'd have to pay me a little bit more to see the Cavs. To see a Cavs game, <laughs> eh? I mean, look, what do you, I'm not, I'm not surprised personally. I'm not surprised, I'm but I'm pissed off. I'm someone who loves buying tickets. I went to the Raptors playoffs uh, series last year against Philly, against Orlando. What'd that cost I was you? at all, I don't want to disclose. Right? <laughs> well, actually, like a month's too bad. Rent. It was like 220 bucks per For, ticket. Per Against ticket. the Philly series. So you take your two. girlfriend or your well, fiance. Yeah, it wasn't, it it was so a $500, you're in $500 to see the Raptors on a championship journey. Okay, just now. So, can I just throw something casually out here quickly? You know what it costs to see the medieval times for an adult? Some compare, some comparative hey, numbers look, here? Like 60 bucks. $64. Look at that. There but you go. But you get dinner and show. Well, you get show and- <laughs> You get dinner. <laughs> the dinner there? I mean, look, I, I think he's- Man, we live in Toronto. It, you want to go on the TTC, it costs like yeah, three- Dude, I paid $150 this is, this is to go to Wonderland. working class people, clearly. I don't, but I don't right? think that's the issue. I think your issue, because again, like, because now we're it's getting into not, like social political politics. I think it's more of the fact that the fans themselves, when you're watching a game, it just doesn't seem like it's lively, as opposed to a soccer yeah, game I think it's a chance. Yeah, I think it's affecting because even like in the in the EPL, the fans will protest when those ticket prices go up. What about you know we what like embrace like a soccer model club membership, man? You yeah, club, you that. can't gain access to the arena unless you're part of the Raptors basketball club or whatever. If it would be more affordable, like oh, it's just not accessible say, to people. What you're saying though is adding another layer. You know what? Putting a you know what we should do? No, no, no. I got a better solution. <laughs> no, in this it's situation. a membership no, no. thing. We, yeah, we, that costs money. We but have, not as much. We money. have higher like security, like goons, like in the arena. And if you're docile and not showing your love for the Toronto Raptors, they drag you out of the fucking arena, and then they just pick someone from Raptors, like the Jurassic Park, and they just fill the seats because they sure as shit that motherfucker is going to be See, it absolutely out about it. Just kick these people out, drag them out of the collars of their shirt, and just drag them down the stairs. No, that's that's why soccer is so good. It has to be natural. These Some people to soccer games are actually legitimately like by the way I'm clearly joking right like I don't think we should physically assault I got a, somebody I got a solution via, via Candace it's ridiculous but there should be a certain amount of seats available every game for first come first serve if you want to wait for two days to see the team you should be able to Right? We'll I go hate, for some select few I, people. I hate to say it, but isn't that what they're kind of doing with Jurassic Park? I know you're not inside yeah. the stadium. I know. But, but at even, the same time, those hardcore fans have a place to stay with other hardcore fans. Yeah. And BMLSE still gets to make all their money. Yeah, but like it's a win-win. They upgraded but, the screen yeah, for and them. Like, and just put, you know, advertising all around all it. Everywhere. Okay, no, that's fine. But you know, I would love to see that energy in the actual arena. 
It just seems it just seems so how about this? so uh, lifeless because in there. You're, you're right. How about this? MLSC hires 300 people at minimum event wage as seat fillers, like at the Oscars. Uh-huh. So after every halftime, you come back to your seat and you see an MLSC employee in your seat. Oh, sorry, Mr. Uh, seat Filler, I am back. They get up, they leave. It looks like, once again, the fans have never left the seats. That sounds a little bit more appealing than Brandon's let's physically harm every single person in the arena strategy that yeah, he was joking, not joking on. Sometimes you got to take <laughs> you, you power back in the hands of the people. Greg's all for that, right? How about we put the mic- yeah. How about we put the microphones? Some social revolt. <laughs> the microphones that you hear on camera, you put those up in the in the top, so you hear like the actual Greg, hearing yeah. stuff. Greg's one of those guys. He just has some guy dragging him by his tie up down a flight of stairs <laughs> 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 in the arena. <laughs> Look, so look, again, the social justice element of this and access aside, the fa- the, the the environment in there. So and look, your point about uh, the championship run. Look, man, this team, I know we're defending champions, but are you really paying for a product that is the same as when you go to the Lakers game or a Clippers game? We don't, right? Like, Supply's all about demand, my friend. Okay, no, but but then so, to yeah, me, that's a little bit yes. disingenuous because you're selling this team as a legit contender in the league and we all know that there's, we're, we're a level below that okay, right but there's now. two sides but to the you're coin. pricing it like we are there's two sides of the coin though right like before it used to be something that you can you and brandon can go to the game no problem 20 bucks or whatever it was they probably were worth 40 back then too like it's you know what i mean like it goes up and it goes down like look at the Cavs deal they're giving people free beer to walk in yeah that's not something they're making like you know what i mean when the Cavs were really good three but years it just ago tells you what the profit margins must shit. be though Right. Well, of if, course. Right. Like, like they could probably be making money off a fair, like price a certain amount of tickets at a fair amount. And then they sell out. Those are cap tickets that sell out. But then you'd at least have the ability for regular people to get access to these games. Right. Yeah. For the for the single mom or single dad to take their their son to a game and not have to, you know, sacrifice a month's rent. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next. I won't be around next week. I'll be in Mexico, but we'll be around the week after. Go Raps. Go catch the iPod. Uh, the podcast sorry on itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify thank you very much for tuning in and go raps go Peace out,